0: Undermine the performance of the economy of the United Kingdom and accelerate Britain's decline as a manufacturing power? Did the city, in alliance with the Gnomes of Zurich, thwart the ambitions of the Labour Party to modernize Britain's economy in the 1960s? Why did financial deregulation end up benefiting foreign banks more than British banks in the period after Warburg's death? Yet these questions are not the best arguments for this biography. For Warburg was also, as he himself put it, a man who lived in a way several lives, that of a German scholar, of an international banker, of an adherent to Judaism, and above all, of an ardently enthusiastic citizen of Britain, his country of adoption. He was a scion of one of the great German-Jewish banking dynasties. He was also a politician, Mokéi for few figures in modern financial history have simultaneously played such an influential political role, albeit largely behind the scenes. As a young man, Warburg had intended to go into politics. The rise of Hitler shattered his ambitions, yet even as an exile in 1930s England, he retained his passion for politics. He was among the most outspoken city opponents of the policy of appeasement, and, after the war, he emerged as a highly influential proponent of European integration. Indeed, the part Warburg played in what has hitherto been the secret history of European unification, the process whereby Europe was financially as well as politically integrated, is among the most historically significant revelations of this book. Bankers, it now becomes clear, were as important as bureaucrats in propelling forward the project for a united Europe, and no banker did more to advance this cause than Zygmunt Warburg. He consistently sought to accelerate the process whereby European institutions, in both the public and the private sector, were linked together across national borders and he strove for decades to overcome the resistance of the British establishment, the political and civil service elites of Westminster and Whitehall, to the idea that Britain should be a fully-fledged member of a European Union. At the same time, Warburg remained a committed Atlanticist, seeing no contradiction between Europe's economic integration and its strategic dependence on the United States. Despite the fact that he had opted for the city over Wall Street, He never lost sight of his lifelong goal of transatlantic financial integration and spent as much of his working career in New York as in Frankfurt, Hamburg, Paris, and Zurich combined. His attempts to salvage Kuhn, Loeb, and Co., once one of the titans of Wall Street, is one of the hitherto unwritten chapters of American financial history. Bankers, it is often said, are the real powers behind the scenes of politics— But how in practice could a banker like Warburg exert power in the post-war world? Part of the answer lies in his pioneering role in corporate finance, which put him at the very heart of successive governments' efforts to resuscitate the ailing British economy. It was the emergence of SG Warburg and Co as the masterminds of the takeover bid, beginning with the contested bid for British aluminium, that transformed Warburg from an outsider, cold shouldered by the snobbish old boys network of the city, into one of the key insiders of nineteen sixties politics. To an extent not previously realized by historians, Warburg became one of Harold Wilson's most trusted confidants on economic questions during the latter's first term as Prime Minister. In their regular meetings, about which other cabinet members knew little, Warburg steered Wilson in the direction of EEC membership and strove, vainly as it proved, to avert first the devaluation of sterling in 1967 and then the descent of Britain's economy into the financial maelstrom of the mid-1970s. Though eternally grateful to England for the opportunities it gave him, Warburg retained a lifelong suspicion of the English social elite, attributing many of the country's post-war problems to the deadening influence of the socially exclusive public schools and the mandarins of the senior civil service. A compulsive traveller, Warburg came to regard his own identity as multinational. Though he had been relatively swift in discerning the evil of Nazism, he never lost his attachment to German culture, and especially to the literature of the 18th and 19th centuries. In the years after 1945, Few, if any, refugees from the Third Reich worked harder to bring about the economic and political rehabilitation of West Germany, to the extent of working closely with men who had played less than edifying roles under Hitler. At the same time, he became keenly interested in the fate of the State of Israel, first as a defender of the Zionist cause.